think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Kurt Prater, Pastor Kurt, KP, my friend. Uh, you know, I don't know if we've ever recounted to this audience um, just the we've we've had a pretty good run in terms of friendship. It started, mm-hmm. uh, let's see here, in two thousand seven. Seven, right? Back so in the day, of back a ski in the day. Trip, so yeah, a ski, ski trip up in for Colorado. Some students and. I remember thinking, man, this guy sounds like Mac Powell. And mm. if you don't know who Mac Powell is, just look up Third Day, a Christian rock band. You may or may not like him. Anyway. I, I take it as a compliment, huge compliment. Yeah, it, it was a great voice. And I was like, man, I want to party with this guy. I want to <laughs> hang out with, with Kurt Prater. And then got to know the rest of the Prater clan, your, your whole family, uh, wife and kiddos. And then... Who knew that our our families would get to spend a season of life together and being in small group and our kiddos are now good friends and and so we've got to spend that season and then now the Lord's taken us other places. But it's still such a joy to get to spend time in the word with you, like in this occasion, mm-hmm. and then as much as the Lord allows us to be together. So grateful for it. But love to hear a little bit more about what's been stirring up in your life and in your world. Uh, whether that's related to the word or just uh, family life, you know, what's going on? Yeah, let's talk about the word of the Lord being true, being everlasting yesterday, today, and forevermore, um, encountering some current events. Right. And a particular situation arose in current events. I'm feeling a weightiness from that current event. Just a couple of days later, here I am spending time in the book of Acts. Something just leaps off the page at me, and I see, wow, true today is God's Word. That actually gave some context. Okay, this is what the church in Acts is experiencing, and here I am experiencing some aspects pretty similar. Now, you're talking about an event. Was it the nature of the event or that you saw you know, true then and true now, or was it the nature of man, or what was it that mm. connected uh, yes, and nature of man, nature of the event. I think in today, it was seeing the response of people, mm. and then in the word of the Lord, seeing the response of people that uh, caught my eye, caught my attention, and, and truly, there's nothing new under the sun, right. and I experienced that in that context. Yeah, I think it's it's. Uh, I've been impacted on several occasions where... When I, I step back to think just how timeless this uh, this text in front of me, like that it is a supernatural divine product written through the personalities of humans, but the truths are timeless. And therefore, mm. man, to think that people in the first century are hearing some of these words, letters from Paul, uh, these gospel accounts, and whatever they're being admonished with or taught with or told how to live their lives in a certain way or be on guard about certain things, it's amazing that, man, that is absolutely true because yes. the human heart has not 
evolved mm. and we're still mm. wrestling with a, a a broken and fallen heart in in a broken and fallen world and the redemption of christ comes in but we don't fully experience that sinlessness that sinless humanity identity until um we, we go to be with the lord and so mm. that's fascinating it's a great reminder yeah i'm so thankful to the lord okay um kiddos are good yeah they're Wife's good it. yeah all right. They're growing fast. Good gravy. I feel like I've ti- I've tried to soak up the time with my kids and uh and yet it just flies by. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Blows me away. So, you've got uh you've got quite a few girls in the house and mm-hmm. you got one boy. That's right. And he's all boy. That's right. I, I just I love to watch him grow and he's going to be a mighty man of God, I can see. <laughs> and so you haven't gotten yet to experience, though, the the vocal change that happens for a young man. That's right. Oh, boy. And I, I remember a while back, my oldest, you know, 13 years old, I remember the day his voice changed. And it wasn't Whoa. like a, a gradual thing, but I remember I was in my bedroom. I think I'd just gotten out of the shower, and I was, you know, I was hearing some some noise in the living room. And I heard that a low bass tone of a, a male voice. And I'm thinking, why is there a man in my house? <laughs> like, I need to go and I don't know what this defense mechanism, but I was like, there's a man out there. I, and so I get ready really fast, throw some uh, shirt and shorts on, and I go out there ready to kind of encounter some dude. And it's my oldest son wrestling around with my youngest son. And he's laughing, but it's this low tone oh, kind of. Oh my, Lanta! <laughs> I'm like, whoa! He it just happened. He he turned. Wow! So, I can't wait for you to experience that. I hope it oh, happens yeah. in a moment for you. And now that I remember it and recall it like you, that's awesome. Yeah, and now it's you know there's still times where he needs to choose an octave and uh, and stick with it, but uh, you know that's the joy. I yeah, went through it. I can you relate. Went it, so yeah, buddy, it's all good. He's got one like right now. He's got one facial hair. It's like there's oh, a boy. dark hair on the cheek. I've a joke about plucking it, and he's like, "No, dude, I'm growing a beard." That's right. Don't mess with his dad. <laughs> Don't touch it. Oh, <laughs> uh, good times. Well, uh, you came here to jump in mm-hmm. uh, to take, take and, and read. read, and so I want to make sure that that we get after that. So, like I said, we're making our way through Mark. We have not journeyed too far from where we were last time you were here, just over a month ago. And uh, we were back in uh, Mark 9, I believe. Now we're in Mark 10 with you. So, uh, we're in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Uh, You know, this is... we're, We're now traveling off of the crest, if you will, of when... In Mark 8, Jesus asks Peter, who do people say that I am? He's like, people say you're Elijah or John the Baptist or a prophet of old. And he says, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter confesses, you're the Christ, you're, you're the Messiah. And over the last few episodes, we've, we've explored that, you know, some of the challenges with that for Peter, the other disciples, and even those in, you know, that would have known what the Messiah meant, like you think in the Jewish context, that for for them, as they're growing up, they're probably hearing descriptions of this Messiah and what he would be like. 
you know, a savior, mm-hmm. um, a, a leader, a, a king like David. I mean, he's even called the son of David at times. Like, this is a reference to the I, that, that promise that's made to David that, you know, your son will sit on the throne forever. And so they're expecting this potential military, political mm-hmm. deliverer, someone who would likely overthrow the Roman government and those that are in power over Jerusalem and, and the Jews. And so there's some challenges as Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him. And when he indicates there are going to be times where like, he'll anticipate his death and his resurrection, and they really struggle with that idea. They're like, no way. And there's one point when Peter's like rebukes Jesus for even mentioning something like that. Mm. And this is right after Peter's confessed, you're the Christ. And then Jesus is like, hey, the Son of Man is going to go in, and the Pharisees and the elders and the, and the experts in the law, they're going to... They're going to take me and, and they're going to kill the Son of Man and, and he'll rise again. And Peter's like, no way. And he's like, stop talking like that. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter, get behind me, Satan. And so mm-hmm. that's a pretty pivotal moment in the life of Peter, especially since Mark is the account of Peter's preaching and, and what he would have experienced. So th- these are some of the conditions that are, exist around that. And then we have this interesting exchange that we jump into now. And uh, it's it's it may seem like a departure from some of this other stuff, but uh, he's beginning to describe life in the kingdom, and he he kind of is is hinting at different things. Um, he's getting questions. He's he's gotten questions about divorce and uh, other components of his teaching, and and he's really these are opportunities for him to kind of expound on the standards uh, that will exist within the kingdom. And so here, when we jump into Mark 10, verse 13, we're just going to look at 13 through 16, and it's this very interesting little exchange that happens. So here we are, Mark chapter 10, verse 13. We are reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, if uh, you're following along at home, and, uh, and so that's the translation we have today. So verse 13, people were bringing little children to him, Jesus, in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Very interesting exchange here. Mm. And this is primarily between Jesus and his disciples. So when we think about, okay, what does this say? What's the context? Well, who's there? You've got Jesus and the people are bringing children because now they there's this growing excitement about who he is, a growing understanding about the Messiah and the fact that, okay, he's here. And so now people are like, oh, I'd love for my kids to to go see him. And this isn't like back in the day when at the mall Santa was there and there's a line. I don't think it's like, I think they're just, people are freely coming. And and so there's probably, he's constantly being bombarded with people. Like mm. we, we see consistently crowds gathered around. And these people uh, just want uh, Jesus to touch their kids because of the blessing Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the power of touch in our lives. 
historically there's this idea of bestowing blessing and stuff. So yeah, what are some things that kind of that you that stand out to you in mm. this exchange or in this context? Yeah, just what you said, that they wanted to be in close proximity and not just that, but actually be in physical contact mm -hmm. with Jesus and their kiddos. Um, and then we see the disciples' response to that engagement. They want to shut shut it down. And then we quickly see Jesus' response. He's indignant, and he, he re rebukes them, calls them out, and, and addresses their attitude and their posture, and then then tells us a little bit more about the kingdom, and giving an example uh, through these little kids. Almost this parable, yes. if you will, yes, or description. So the scene is: you got these people coming; they're bringing their kids. They want their children to be touched by Jesus, mm -hmm. and so they're getting in close. And the disciples are like, "Hey, back up! Stop!" Like rebuking, whatever a rebuke sounds like there. And then Jesus sees that and is like indignant. What is? What oh, is indignant? Yeah, I'm hoping that you can provide a great definition because I I can't provide one. I mean, does that mean that he was put off? He was almost like shocked in a negative way. Like, why, why are my disciples doing this? This is not the right attitude. This is not the right behavior. Yeah, I mean, I... Just off the cuff, I think indignant, the opposite would be dignant or relating to dignity. So something that is the opposite of dignified, like he is frustrated, mm. he's annoyed, he's put off. He's like, guys, stop it. And like he's got to, and obviously Jesus probably didn't say that, but <laughs> – there, there are m several times throughout this gospel that we've seen Jesus gets impatient. He gets frustrated with his disciples because mm. they don't understand. They don't demonstrate faith. They just don't get it. Mm. And so there's this, this sense in which they continue to kind of stumble over themselves in understanding even who he is or why he came. And he's blessing people and they want to be blessed and the disciples are getting in the way of that mm. and he's like S don't you understand like their their posture towards me is right and so then he yeah. gets into this this lesson and so let's try to mm. make sure we understand what that says uh let the little children come to me don't stop them because so let them come they want to come. They're they're earnest. They 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 yearn. Mm -hmm. They desire to be with me. They desire just to even be in my presence, to be touched by me. They desire me. And so they're they're um, they're yeah um, drawing in. They're they're getting close. Mm -hmm. And he says, "So the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So don't stop them. So not it doesn't belong to these, but." such as these. Mm -hmm. So if you're like these children yep. that are pressing in, desiring to be with the Lord, this is who the kingdom belongs to. Yeah. And naturally, I say, okay, well, what is it about these children right. that we need to observe? And why is Jesus bringing these little ones in and then making this parallel for us? Um, so that's that's a question mm -hmm. that comes up. Yeah. We need to know about this What context. is it about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for the kingdom of God, uh, do not 
whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child mm. will never enter it. So what is it that about this approach to the kingdom that is childlike uh, that we can glean from? And then after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. So uh, let's see here. I tell you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Mm-hmm. So how does a child receive something? Yeah, so I was, I'm, I'm thinking about my own kiddos, um, thinking about how they receive me as a parent, how they receive teaching instruction. Um, they are soaking things up. They're soaking up the world around them. There's a purity about them. There's an innocence about them. Um, There's an excitement, too. That's a great word. Yes. Like when I come home yeah. from either a trip or even from just being at the office during the day, my youngest, well, if he sees my car pull up, he will go out of the house and run towards me and try to tackle me mm. out of excitement. He runs up. As soon as I enter, my daughter comes out, hugs me. My oldest, he'll come up. And there's this excitement that my kids demonstrate that yeah. of my presence. I, I and I'm not the most like <laughs> I discipline them. I, you know, I can be stern with it. Like there's, but yet when I'm present, they're mm. excited when I come home. Yes, I I see that in this yeah. scene. I I can envision the joy, the laughter, the excitement in what's happening here at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a there's a delight or an anticipation, mm-hmm. an excitement that children have, and that are, are de- is demonstrated here. And I would say, which is almost drips from every verse in this this gospel, a a demonstration, a a, a faith that is postured like a child. Yes, a complete belief. Yes, convinced of who he is, and because of that, they they respond the way they do because they. They believe him. Mm. They believe who he is, what he's like, what he feels towards them, his disposition towards them. Like they're completely, they're in. Mm-hmm. They're all in, and so they have no issues with what he, who he claims to be, what he does, what he's like. Um, yeah, there's just that a willingness to believe and take him at his word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I, one question that came up while you're we reading it, it says, uh, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, is he saying in the same way that the disciples didn't receive the children? If they don't receive the kingdom, like if you if you treat the kingdom like you just treated these kids, or is he saying in the way that the children receive the kingdom? in the way that they approach the kingdom. Mm. So is there, textually, is there a way that we can get clarity on that? Okay. Um, we back up, we look at 14, and Jesus saw it, right? His, their interaction with the children, because the children wanted to come so that they could touch them, that he could touch them. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, I think it's the child yeah. that receives the kingdom. 
I think so because he's engaged with the disciples in 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 my mind the way that I'm seeing the scene play out. He's he's engaged the disciples now they're secondary and now he has got his full mm-hmm. attention on the kids. Yeah, I agree. And is is drawing the parallel with with the kids and their how they have received the kingdom. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah, that that resonates. Good question though. That's awesome. All righty. So, um, how do you think? Like when we start to wrestle with what this means, we want to locate that meaning there at that time. What what's happening there with the people there, and then also with Mark's audience that are receiving mm-hmm. this gospel. Yeah. So, in that moment, what do you think is going on for the disciples, or maybe the others that are gathered, like the the parents or the adults that have brought these children that are now free to go run up and be touched by Jesus? What do you think? How are they re- receiving this or seeing this interaction he has with the disciples about the kingdom? Okay, well, can I ask this question that hopefully will answer then your question? Mm-hmm. I can't get the words uh, simplicity out of my mind mm. uh, right along with faith and belief of the kids. Yeah, There's an aspect to where they are receiving the kingdom in the simplest of forms. They're, they're seeing and believing Christ or Jesus for who he is. Yeah. You feel, do you feel like that word is applicable right now? Yes, because I would say throughout the complexity of religion mm-hmm. or how complex or heavy or burdensome this idea of approaching God has been made by the religious authorities of the time. Complexity is, is a good way to describe how it's, what it had become at that point. Yes. What Jesus draws out is a simplicity. Mm. I am who I say I am. I'm here. What you see is what you get. Yeah. If you can see it. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, it's really straight up. This is it. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I'm not, there's no smoke and mirrors here. So, So for the people then, there's a simplicity to belief and faith to, to Mm -hmm. receive the kingdom. Yeah. And then in also, I mean, receiving Christ, receiving the kingdom, that is counterintuitive. It's in, it's clearly in contrast because he's painting a picture here, the kids, simplicity, faith, belief, and then what the disciples have demonstrated. And if I like the word complexity of uh, potentially attributing mm-hmm. that I think that's a good to, who's, to who's around. Yeah, and so I think that maybe if you if we, we pull back one, one layer then yeah. or one step into how does Mark's audience, those mm-hmm. in the first century, receiving this gospel as it's circulating, I think that there's a similar message there of these people, these kids, these children, they saw Jesus for who he was. Mm-hmm. They didn't need advanced degrees. They didn't need some further interaction. Like they they had... a. a a few kind of categories for reality. And one of those was that he's, he's the Messiah. He's God. He can bless. Therefore we believe. Mm -hmm. And so for those in the first century that maybe needed or required a more complex understanding, he's saying that's, it's really quite simple. That's not to say that, you know, when, when Scripture talks about, you know, who can understand God's, who can, yeah. you know, the height, the depth, the, yes. you know, the breadth of who He is, His wisdom, His ways are higher than our ways. Yes, absolutely true. Can we ever fully understand the nature of mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. But what He has made available to us is really quite simple. 
Jesus, fully God, fully man, he is the Messiah, and he here he is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. True for the reader at the time. And then mm-hmm. I can't help but think about the moments in my faith's journey mm-hmm. where I've gotten lost in the details, in the complexity, and there are passages like this that remind me of how Jesus approached and responded to the children. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have that word that man, it comes down to something simple that the kids got, and I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Um, when he says, how do you, he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter mm-hmm. it. After taking them in his arms, so he's now taking these these children up into his arms and laid his hands on them. So he actually does what they wanted, and he blesses them. He gives mm-hmm. a blessing, which in, in a Hebrew context and in a Jewish context was was a major deal to to receive a blessing from from a father, and here from the King of Kings to receive a blessing from him um, would have been just uh, monumental. Uh, but this idea of never entering it, there's something mm-hmm. there about not that you're you're now barred from entering it, but there it says something about someone's ability to just receive in the most simplest form, in the most obvious form, who Jesus is. They may never be able to to enter it. Not that they're not allowed to. There's some finality to it. Yeah, that there is something about. Maybe what you say you need or think or whatever barriers may exist, there may be something that just precludes you from ever being able to fully just receive the simple nature of the gospel of who Christ is and what he's done. Mm. So I think that's where we now get into how do we experience that meaning because we go and we, we, we wrestle with what does it say, what does it mean, and by that mean in its local context, you know, located in history, and then the so what or the significance is how do we experience this meaning today? What the original audience experienced and what this recipients of Mark's gospel, this idea of the simplicity of Jesus, how do we experience that today? You spoke a little bit to ways that, that you can sometimes allow complexity um, to enter. How do we hold the tension between the the depth of and what I find to be some beautiful, deep theological truths that you start to delve into about the nature and the of the doctrine of the Trinity, one God, three persons. Like that's complex. Yeah, buddy. Um, the nature of you know I'm I'm saved and God sees me as righteous and good and pure because of the. Uh, applied life and death of Jesus. However, I'm not quite there. Like I, I experience sin in my life. I still have temptation. Mm-hmm. I still experience sin in the world, just like you were referencing uh, you know, at the beginning. And so that's attention. How do I walk through that reality? Sanctification, this process of becoming more like Christ uh, over time. These are complex things. So how do you hold that tension? Between the simple and the complex. Oh, well, here's just a confession. I don't often think very deeply. So if if there's anybody that I can relate to in the scripture, it's these little kids. Because I feel like very naturally I go to 
oh, well, it's faith. That's all I need. Ah, that's all I need. Yeah. But however, there there are incredible things to mine in God's word. Um, when I begin to question, well, what about this? What about this? It comes back to the beautiful word of faith. Mm-hmm. I cannot describe it all. I cannot understand it all. But what I hope to demonstrate in my life is always coming back to the thing about Christianity is faith. I can never do. I can never solve enough to ever um, gr- I just can't grasp it all. And what yeah. I've got to come back to is is that faith component. So that's what I see happening yeah. here. I feel like I can relate a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to wrestle with that same question because okay, yeah. I tend to to delve into and nerd out on the complex. <laughs> I'll admit that. Um, and something that I think I see here is there's a there's a time component to what he's talking about. He says people approaching him don't stop them because the kingdom belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So that gives us indication that in a spatial location kind of way there's a sense in which the simplicity of who Jesus is that is the entrance. Mm-hmm. That's that's entering the kingdom is the, the pathway is through the very simple truth of Jesus of Nazareth who lived a perfect life, who died and rose again, demonstrating that he was the son of God in power by the nature of that resurrection and that he truly is 100% God, 100% man. That's it. That's how you believe that. You enter. Mm. Once in, though, now you're inside the kingdom. I think that base you build upon that truth and those realities, and there's an eternity of exploring yeah. the depth of that and how much that means. But the the, the front side of understanding is simply mm. Jesus. He's God. He's the Messiah. He's the one that was prophesied. Come on in. You believe that? You're good with that? Come on in. Once you're in, now go explore all mm. the depths and the richness you know, of his wisdom and his character and his love. That's good. That's how I wrestle yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Great response. Any, anything, that you, anything else you see that you go, man, be, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as, as a son, as a child of God, yeah. I need to live in light of this. I need to keep this in mind as I I go out these doors and I I walk this walk. Mm. Well, uh, in thinking about my kiddos in particular, the way that Jesus responds to the adults versus responds to these little ones is he just grabs them and takes them in his arm and and he responds to them and meets them where they are. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I pray that I do that same thing for my children. Yeah. I welcome them. I encourage them in their faith where th- and meet them where they are. So that, that would be my additional statement in this moment. Of that's a good word. Yeah, that's, that's something that resonates for me as well because I think I can, because I 
lean into the complex. I can have a tendency to overwhelm my kids at times, I think, uh, with theological stuff. And have I erred on the side of making, you know, following Jesus too complex? And I want to be—I want to be warned by the Word today on that. That am I making it difficult for children to approach the Lord? And my—and that begins with my own kiddos. Or am I just putting in front of them the simple open gate of "There's Jesus. Mm. He loves you. Come on." So, good word. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, it's the word we're taking and reading. That's what happens when you take and read. It's so refreshing, so life giving. So, man, thanks for being here today. It's a joy again. Again. I love it. I love it. Karma Lupe Co-op, great shirt. If you if you're not (laughs) tuning into the YouTube channel, you might check out his shirt. Great shirt, Uh, one of my favorites. Um, We can talk about what Karma Lupe means another time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, thanks for being here today. Uh, if you tuned in and you're listening to this uh, and you've joined us for the first time, man, love having you. I'm glad you're here. This is a great time to jump in. And you may find that you now want to go back, and that's fine. You can depart from this current episode and go back and join us from the beginning. I hope you find it enriching. Uh, all we do is we do this. We, we come and we take and we read. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email Take and read podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, thoughts, insights you have. Also, comments. If you're, however, you're receiving this podcast, as you interact, I would love for people to start to wrestle with this, maybe with each other over things or insights they may have. Leave comments, likes, um, share, do all of the stuff you're supposed to do with this social media thing. Because when you do that, it helps other people find us. And maybe that's how you found us. Maybe it just popped up and, and you're like, yeah, I never heard of it. Um, and so we just, I just want to make much of the Lord. And again, we're two believers. We're two guys that have you know met Jesus and have never recovered from that. And we believe this to actually be the communication from the creator of the universe. And so we believe it to be true. And so you're tuning in. Even if you don't, like the intro says, even if you don't believe in this stuff, probably a good idea you know what it says and so that's what we do every time here so every week we get in we wrestle with what does this say and then how do we live in light of that so i encourage you to do the same uh kp thanks for being here love you brother Boom, love and you too. encourage everyone out there to go take and read the word of god have a good one 